Welcome to the Weight Solutions for Physicians podcast, the podcast that helps you find solutions for your weight concerns that will last a lifetime. You've got this. This podcast contains general educational information on weight loss for physicians. I am not providing medical advice and listening to this podcast does not create a physician-patient relationship. This podcast does not replace the need for consultation with a licensed professional and no information should be relied upon unless you have obtained specific advice or treatment from myself or another physician. Please review the terms and conditions located at www.weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca before continuing. Welcome to episode 140 of the Weight Solutions for Physicians podcast. All right, if you're like many physicians that I work with, perhaps you have a feeling that because you're a doctor, you should have figured your own weight out. And what I want to talk to you about today on the podcast is how this belief is one of the most damaging beliefs that you can have and how it directly gets in your way of weight loss. But first, if you're just joining me, haven't met me before, I'm Siobhan Key. I'm a family physician and practicing obesity medicine physician, and I'm the founder of Weight Solutions for Physicians, where I help physicians like you who sometimes feel like they're out of control around food, lose weight and do it in a way where you end up with a comprehensive, customized approach to your weight loss so that you know you're losing weight for the last time and you're not always wondering when it's going to come back and find you. And then you can move on to other things that you actually want to be using your mental energy for. So I'd let you guys know what I've been up to. It's been a pretty good couple summers or couple weeks of summer weather that we've had here. And so I've been able to get out to the lake a lot. We haven't stayed out at the lake because of work schedules and stuff, but I've been going out for some evening swims before bed because it's been hot. So it it just makes it so much nicer to sleep, which is lovely. And then been having some lovely trail runs. The trails are in really nice shape right now. And it just feels so nice. I'm being very intentional this year, this summer holidays, like the summer months of trying to actually create the summer that I always imagined summers to be, that I want them to be. And being intentional with it started back in last fall, where at the end of last summer, where it didn't turn out the way I wanted it to be, and it was quite busy, and my vacation time didn't actually feel all that relaxing. I had a meeting with my practice partners, and we worked out some different things to try to put systems in place so that this summer actually could be what we want it to be, where we're all taking more time off, and we've kind of shifted and modified things about the office so that it'll be manageable for those of us that are there. So far, it's working. This week, it's just been two of us, two out of four in the office, and it's been manageable. It hasn't been overwhelming like it sometimes is. So fingers crossed. I've got lots of hope that this summer is going to keep going and there'll be time to mountain bike. There'll be time to go to the lake. There'll be time to get out on the trails and go for runs. I had a great run with one of my friends yesterday afternoon, and it was one where I finished my office in the morning. I was coming home and I needed to I was going to record this podcast and I just wanted to get out and get a short run in to, partly to wake myself up and get some energy going because I always find that I can be creative and create these podcasts a lot smoother and better when I've had some exercise. But it was 28 degrees Celsius out and sunny and it was like 1 p.m. already. And so I phoned my friend and she first said, are you crazy? But then said yes and this is why I love her. (laughs) 
<laughs> because she came. And you know what? It actually turned out pretty good. I thought it would be way more of a slog, but in the trees, in the shade, it was manageable with lots of water. And it just, it was a great run. It was one of those ones that just felt good and you didn't want it to end. Hence, I didn't actually do this podcast yesterday like how I planned. And instead, I'm now up early in the morning recording it uh, before the kids get up and before I get going for my day. What I want to talk to you guys about today is something that comes up a lot with the physicians that I coach. So in Stress Eating SOS, this topic comes up frequently. It's this feeling that because we are physicians, we should have figured out our own weight and that being a physician makes it so that it's something we shouldn't struggle with is the belief. And what I want to, I think this is a really important topic to talk about on the podcast because I want to show you how this belief itself is very damaging, how it actually makes it harder to lose weight and to move forward. And honestly, it really impacts your days. The way this belief shows up is it often shows up with even thoughts of because I as a physician have not figured out my own weight, I therefore should not be talking to patients and helping them with their weight or weight related health concerns because they'll assume I don't know what I'm talking about because I'm a heavier weight. And I can tell you, I 100% get this and spent a lot of time in this place in my mind. I remember even once I started doing obesity medicine, I've talked about this on the podcast, but I remember walking into the first obesity medicine conference I went to. And honestly, I was in my mind, I was certain I was the biggest person in that room and that everybody was noticing my weight and wondering what I was doing there being a heavier doctor at an obesity medicine conference. And I kind of laugh at myself now, but it was real when I was there. And I laugh at myself now because of course in that room of, you know, however, I think there's at least a thousand people in those conferences. Of course, people weren't noticing my weight. And of course, I probably wasn't the heaviest person there, but it sure felt like that because I held this belief, because I felt that because I was a doctor, I should have everything I need to lose weight. And what I want to show you in this episode is that's just not true. It's just not the reality. We were maybe taught that that was true. I think we finished medical school and training with this sense that we should have everything we need for everything to figure out any problem. But what I want to pose to you is that's probably not true for your own problems. I think it's very different between you know having everything you need to figure out how to manage any patient problem versus managing your own problems. And that fact is reflected just in the guidelines and regulations that we as physicians should not be caring for ourselves or loved ones, and we should not be prescribing for ourselves. And instead, we should have our own physician who has the ability to be more objective for our care. So what that those guidelines say is that they recognize there is a difference between caring for yourself and caring for somebody else. So you can help somebody else with their weight, regardless of your weight, because you have an objective view on it. I was able to start helping people with their weight in my obesity medicine program before I had finished losing all mine because I had an objective view. Plus, I also, the lived experience, I think, is something that we undervalue as a physician who's worked on her own weight. 
that lived experience gives us empathy. It gives us a knowledge base that we can turn around and help patients with. And just think of this, if you've had kids, and this is more for the primary care or pediatrician physicians listening, but I remember when I was a newer grad before I'd had kids and you're counseling new moms on newborn sleep and breastfeeding and all those things. And I did it and I felt I had a reasonable amount of knowledge to share with them. However, once I'd actually had the lived experience of having had kids and been through that and breastfed, the benefit I could bring to those patients, I think was much richer and much more empathetic and much more supportive. And so if you are a physician and you feel that because you have extra weight, you should not be helping patients with their weight, I want to challenge you that that's just not true. That actually maybe you're the best person to help them with their weight because you know what it's like. You have the empathy, you have the lived experience. Now to come back to the concept that just because we're a physician and we've gone through medical school, we should know how to manage our own weight. I think let's look at this as how high quality was the obesity medicine education you received in medical school? And, you know, everybody's going to have a different experience. And I hope that newer grads may have had a better experience. But honestly, for us, it was being told, basically tell people to eat less, exercise more. Like we were told the calories in, calories out equations. And so if you want to lose weight, you reduce your calories in or you increase the calories out, which is a vast oversimplification of weight concerns. And I do remember because it was early 2000s that I was in medical school and Kins was having a resurgence. And so I remember some lecture commenting on Atkins and basically saying that that approach would cause significant kidney harm. And that's about it for my obesity education in medical school. How about you? Did you have anything better or was that what was covered for you? And now think, how helpful has that advice been for your patients? And this is partly why I got into obesity medicine because I reached a point in my career where I realized not a single patient had come back and said, you know, thank you for that great advice of telling me to eat less and exercise more. It's changed my life. Nobody came back. So what we have here is that the training we received in medical school doesn't, that we think should apply to us and should be all and end all and we should be able to fix our own weight with, it doesn't actually even work for our patients that we're trying to help with it. It's rare for them to come back and say it was, oh, just being told to eat less and exercise more is what worked. I think as obesity medicine gets more developed and it gets you know, more training, I hope that this will be different in that the people finishing medical school will have better tools to offer their patients and their patients will come back and thank them for their support and helping them with this issue. But that doesn't mean that you as the physician are going to be in the best place to apply those tools to yourself either because you lack objectivity when it's yourself. And I think that's why coaching is so powerful in weight loss for physicians or for anybody, really, because it's the objective view of what's going on in your thoughts and your your mind and how that's influencing your actions, how it's influencing your eating or how you're feeling about your weight loss or your food choices. It's the objectivity that is very powerful. And it's why I always have a coach 
why I invest in coaching myself because even as a trained coach myself and doing, you know, journaling and coaching on myself, I don't always see exactly what my brain's doing. I don't have the objectivity. I'm in the thick of it inside my brain. And sometimes brains are messy places to be. And so recognizing that, number one, the training you had probably wasn't actually adequate. It probably wasn't what you needed. But number two, even if the training is good, there's still this piece of objectivity that you might be missing. And that might be making it hard. And the problem, here's the problem with the thinking that you should have figured it out, is it creates a shame and it creates this isolation and it has you being stuck. And so if the objectivity is an issue, if you're really believing you should have figured it out yourself, you're not going to reach out and find resources that can help you with a more objective view of what's going on. You're going to stay stuck and trying to figure it out yourself, stuck in that mud where, like I said, sometimes it can be a bit messy when you're in there on your own trying to fix it and figure it out. And, you know, the other piece is even with good obesity medicine training. So I started my obesity training partly because I'd realized that no patients had ever come back and thanked me for my fantastic advice. And I could see it in my family medicine practice, how many patients needed this help and couldn't access it elsewhere. And how many of the conditions I was managing on an average day was influenced by weight. But also, I did it to try to figure it out for myself. I did it because I'm like, okay, and I also have obesity that seems to be progressing. And I don't know what else to do. I need to find out better information. And it, it helped. Like, I love obesity medicine. I love obesity medicine conferences. They're totally my jam. But when I finished my obesity medicine training, I was still left with this, but how do I do it in my own life? Like the knowledge was there about what I needed to do, but it was the, but how? And I think that's a piece that is still missing in medical training is the, how do you actually do it? How do you do it consistently? How do you do it on the days where you don't want to? How do you do it on the days where you're feeling really stressed out? or where you didn't sleep because you're up all night on call. How do you actually do it? And that's where the coaching tools, where once I went through training with life coaching, that was that missing piece. And so the combination of the two, of the scientific knowledge and that is what's ultimately allowed me to figure out my own weight. Now, that wasn't the most efficient approach. <laughs> that took me years to get it sorted out and figured out and years of really really putting a lot of mental energy into it. And that's why I ultimately created this podcast and the coaching programs that I offer, because I don't want you to have to spend years of your mental energy to figure this out. I want you to be able to do it in the most efficient way possible. But let's talk about why does being a doctor actually make it harder to lose weight? Because I think this is a, you know, a useful flip of the mind to just look at it from a different perspective, because you've probably spent a lot of time sitting there thinking, because I'm a doctor, I should lose weight and it should happen. I should be able to make it happen easily. I should be able to make it happen quickly. And then when it doesn't, it feels frustrating and it feels like you failed. I want to pose a different viewpoint on this, that being a doctor actually makes it harder. There's things about being a doctor that make it more difficult that you have to address and relearn to then be able to manage your weight with that ease that you're looking for. So number one is, 
and I've talked about this already, is the shame and isolation. So being a doctor, we're taught we should be able to figure this stuff out, kind of everything. We're taught we should be able to figure everything out. And when it comes to our weight and we hold that belief, we end up shaming ourselves and holding a lot of shame that can permeate your daily clinics and it isolates us. So when I was trying to figure out my weight, I signed up for Weight Watchers multiple times. And yet I didn't go to meetings very often because I felt I shouldn't be there. I felt if patients saw me there, it would be some sign of failure on my part that I shouldn't have to go to Weight Watchers. And so that you can see how that thinking then held me in isolation. So I was left on my own trying to figure it out. It wasn't something I talked to anybody about. Like the fact I talk about this on a weekly basis on this podcast is really new. Most of the years of my life, I would not speak to anybody about my weight because I felt it was a shameful thing. I felt it was something I should have fixed. So that isolation and the shame makes it harder to lose weight because when you're in that place, you're not reaching out for support, but also that shame creates negative emotions. And if you go through your day feeling a bit ashamed of how you look and how your body feels, and it influences how you're interacting with patients, because then you have to have conversations about, you know, their diabetes and how maybe dietary change will help their diabetes. But you feel ashamed that you're talking about that because you know you're eating the food that you're telling them not to eat. That then is this chronic stress throughout the day that likely will influence your eating later in the day where, you know, you finish the day feeling exhausted because mentally that's a big drain. And then you just find that there's food cravings that feel just unmanageable and feel like you don't have any choice but to follow through with the food cravings and eat the food. And that's from that shame. That shame makes it really hard to care and do things for yourself from a place of kindness. The two don't really go together. When you're holding shame, you can't really also hold compassion because they're essentially opposites. And so then it becomes, you know, more the willpower struggle. It becomes the, well, I'm just going to, I don't care today. I'll figure this out tomorrow. And you eat the food, but then that creates more shame and you beat yourself up more about that. And so it becomes this big spiral that just keeps going and keeps influencing your eating and your weight and keeps you stuck. And it feels so bad. And like, if there's one thing you could take away from this podcast episode, if you can just work on releasing a percentage of that shame, honestly, it's going to change your days. It'll change your weight. It'll change everything. Even if you just let go of a percent of it, or even if you just reach out for a support and start letting go of some of that isolation it makes a difference. It really, really does. The other thing is busy schedules. So as doctors, we're often juggling really busy schedules. There's always, or often it feels like more demands on our time than what it feels like there is time. And we get things done. Like I think we have to acknowledge and celebrate ourselves for that is, you know, on those really busy clinical days or when you're in the hospital, you have a whole lot of consults to do. They get done. We do get them done, but it's busy and it's a packed schedule. And that again creates stress that leads to eating. So if you spend your day feeling like there's not enough time, feeling like you're behind, feeling like there's so much work to do, chances are that's probably going to drive some food cravings. And you may find that you're eating food 
in the evenings when you finally finish work or in the afternoon going for snacks in the cafeteria, that sort of thing. Number three would be sleep deprivation. So if you are in any sort of specialty that does call, there often is some element of sleep deprivation and that has a biological impact on us. But we're kind of taught in medical school to be a little superhuman about sleep deprivation. I think, again, this is getting better. But for most specialties, once you're out, if you're on call, it doesn't necessarily mean you get the next day off. We expect ourselves to not always sleep, but to be able to work and work at a high level the following day. And the sleep deprivation really has a biological impact on your weight and your eating. It influences your hunger hormones. It influences your cortisol levels. And so that sleep deprivation can be a real thing that you have to figure out when you're wanting to lose weight and keep it off for the long term. Now, the next two, I think, are more cultural things in medicine, but these impact eating and weight significantly. So the first is we're taught to ignore our self-care and slash care for others above ourselves. And this is part of being a doctor is to care for myself. It would mean I sleep through the night, but I am willing to get up in the middle of the night to go care for somebody who's in labor because that's my role. So I put their needs above mine. And I'm saying that in a way, not a negative way, but it's just the reality of different aspects of being a doctor. If you have patients that need to be seen, if you finish a busy clinical day and you'd plan on going for a run and then you get phoned about a sick, frail elderly who needs a home visit, you probably are going to go see them or at least manage it in some way. And that might take the place of your self-care. And we're taught to do that in medical school. And to some degree, it is a necessity in medicine. But I think as you go through your your career and your practice, you want to be mindful of it, that it's not always the way. Because when you're always giving up your self-care for other things, it erodes it's just this steady erosion. And then that's when we end up burnout. We end up with behaviors that aren't supporting our health. So for me, that would be the eating, um, the fast food, Wendy's French fries that I often talk about. And what that it was, is it was, I was not getting any self-care anywhere else. I was running to work, getting the kids up, the little kids first, getting to work, running home. And the only break I was taking was to stop and have Wendy's French fries. I wasn't taking any other self-care breaks. So just being aware of that, that that's been taught to us to prioritize everything else over our self-care and then questioning it now. As an adult, you get to question it. You get to decide if you want to continue with that or not. And then the last one is that we are taught to ignore our emotions. And I think this is a really important one. And it's one that people often shy away from a little bit, but The reality is, if you find that when you're really stressed out, when you're really tired, when you're frustrated, your brain just wants to have a snack or wants to eat in some way to sort it out, then this is a skill you need to work on. This is a vital skill for long-term weight loss because a diet can't fix this. And yet, when you think about it, like I directly remember being taught in medical school, don't cry in front of patients. We could have a whole conversation about that. But Think about what we did in medical school. Think about what you do in your job and how often you are dealing with highly emotional situations. And yet then we just have to kind of push it down and move on. Like you think from a family practice example, maybe in one room you're giving somebody horrible news that their cancer is progressing despite being on chemo. 
And then you walk out of that room and you have to walk into the next room and be happy and excited at a prenatal visit. We're not, as physicians, we're not allowed to experience the full emotion of the situations that we're in. When I used to work in emergency, you know, you'd run a code and, you know, maybe the person passed away, but there's still a stack of charts in the inbox. And so you'd have to kind of get yourself sorted, get yourself in order and get back to seeing people even after dealing with that highly emotional situation. And so we're taught in medical training to take our emotions and shove them down and keep going. But here's the thing is the emotions don't go away. At some point they come up and that can be a really big driver of emotional eating or evening eating. You know, if you finish really busy days and then you're like, I was fine with my eating during the day and now in the evening, I don't know why I don't feel in control. It's probably something like this, is that there's emotions through the day that you're just not processing. There's stresses that you're experiencing and just kind of pushing down and moving on because we have that skill as physicians. And yet then it shows up at some point. It's not that it goes away. It's like a a delay tactic is the way to think about it. So pushing it down, ignoring it in the moment, it still has to get processed and kind of released at some point. And for a lot of us, food is the way that our brain wants to do that. So in the evening when you're tired, when it's been a busy day, you don't have energy to do anything else, food kind of fits the bill to try to make yourself feel a little bit better at the end of a super busy, harried day. So noticing that there are specific things about being a physician that actually make it harder to lose weight, that these things that we've talked about, the shame and isolation, the busy schedules, the sleep deprivation, the taught to care for others above yourself and the taught to not experiencing your own emotions while you're working. These are skills and aspects of being a physician that are just reality, but they all influence eating. They can influence actually the biology of your body and and weight loss. And we have to look at them and address them if you want to lose weight and keep it off long-term. So just picture... We started with the belief that because you're a doctor, you should be able to figure out your weight. And just imagine, now that we've talked about all the impacts of that, what would it be like to just let it go? What would it be like to not have that worry anymore, to not carry that weight? Like I picture this one, like a backpack full of bricks that you're carrying through your day. And, you know, every time you see somebody who you feel like you should be talking to them about their weight and you feel like, maybe you're not the right person to do it. It's like you put another brick in that backpack and then you carry that through the day. What would it be like to just take the backpack off? This is one of those beliefs that I truly don't believe is serving you. I think there's better ways to view it. And you can just choose to decide you don't believe that anymore, which I know is a bit revolutionary, but you really can just look at a belief like this. And when you really see how it's playing out in your life, and you see the evidence for why maybe it's not true, like what I've presented for you today, maybe you could just let it go and see what your days are like. I suspect the days are going to feel way better when you let this one go. Now, how do you do that? Here's my approach that I came up with for you guys is, I think first start with a list, let your brain tell you all the reasons why you should have figured this out. Write it down on paper. This is not a thing to do in your brain. I think if you do this in your brain, it's just going to add to that shame ball that you're probably already carrying. Do it on paper, write it down, let your brain tell you all the reasons why as a doctor, you should have figured it out. And then I want you to go one by one 
and look at each of the reasons and ask yourself, is that actually true? So like if you had a reason of you've got a lot of medical knowledge about the bodies and weight, maybe, you know, is that true? If your medical training was like mine, it probably isn't true. And look at each one. Is it true? And is it helpful to think that? And, you know, if you think it should just be easy for me to lose weight, I'm going to prompt you on a few because I think there's some that you might buy into. If you think it should just be easy for me to lose weight, I would say that might not be true. I would say you may be missing the skills and the tools to actually do that. I think it can be easy to lose weight, but it takes a lot of the mindset work. It takes a lot of getting your mind in the exact order with the goals that you're working on so that it's as smooth as possible. But it doesn't always mean it's easy per se. It depends on your definition of easy. It can be way easier. But if you had a belief that I should just be able to do this quickly, again, maybe that's not true. And maybe letting go of that belief is going to free you up too. Maybe you should lose the weight in the way that your body loses the weight. Because at the end of the day, you can control what you eat, you can control what you exercise, but you can't actually control what your body does with those two things. Your body is a complex system that modifies so many different aspects that influence appetite and weight that you can't really manage what it actually does with the inputs that you're putting into it with what you eat and your exercise. So thinking through for all those lines, is this true and is it helpful? And see if there's some that you can just decide just aren't true or, you know, maybe aren't true for you and that it's okay if they're not true for you. And then number three would be notice then when this comes up for you and just notice how it makes you feel. So that awareness is really important when you're experiencing a belief like this that can be very harmful, noticing when it comes up and just what impact it's having on you is going to make it easier to let go of it. So if you're struggling with just letting go, just building awareness of like, oh, look, I'm feeling a bit ashamed about being a physician with my weight. That is going to help you start to let go of this belief. And then work on developing a new belief that feels better for you. And I don't know what that's exactly going to be for you. I think there's a lot of different things you could use instead of this belief. I wrote down a few to share with you, but Work on it yourself and think, you know, how would I prefer to think about myself as a physician who has extra weight, as a physician who hasn't figured this out yet? What is going to be a more helpful way to think about this? And what I had as suggestions, and this one I used throughout my whole weight loss, and I still use when I run into times where it's a little bit more difficult, is I think I'm figuring this out. I'm just going to keep figuring this out. That was a really powerful belief for me, and it is much more empowering and doesn't really have the shame to it, is why I think it worked so well for me. A belief of I choose not to shame myself, I think that could be a really powerful belief because it's the act of shaming yourself that really negatively actually impacts your weight and your behavioral changes that you're working on. And then the other one was I choose to make use of the tools and support available. And that this new belief directly pulls you out of that isolation that often we are in when we're a physician dealing with our own weight. And so I choose to make use of the tools and support available will put you in a better position to actually reach out and get the help that you want to do this in the way that you want and in the most efficient way possible. And, you know, if that 
it sounds good and, and you're like, okay, what other tools are out there? Head over to my website at weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca and click on the resources tab. And I have a bunch of free resources. So there's time-saving tips to end binge and stress eating mini course, which is really good. There's replays of some of the master classes I've hosted. There's a bunch of different things on there. So if you want more tools and support, head over there to weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca, click on the resources tab and get some resources. Now, what are your thoughts about this? How has being a physician who's working on your weight influenced you? Send me an email at info at weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca. I will promise I will respond. But thank you so much for listening, guys. Have a fantastic week. And uh, if you're enjoying this podcast, just remember to hit the follow or subscribe button so that you get all the new episodes delivered as soon as they're available. Talk to you later. Bye.